Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. And welcome back to the program again today. I trust you've been tuning in every week as we have, you know, continued to do this series on the book of Judges. Uh, it's been weeks and I've truly enjoyed uh, this series that we have been sharing with you. But uh, much of the inspiration that I got for the book of Judges actually came from my oldest son probably several years ago. I was looking back over some of my notes uh, and several years ago him and I were talking and he was talking about the book of Judges and it kind of was a inspiration to me and then I never did anything with it or develop it until just this particular season when it really began to speak to me. So towards the end of this program, I, or, or this series, I wanted to have my oldest son on who is also in the ministry and you've seen him before but it's been a little while since he's been on camera so you got a treat today. So it's good to have you on with me Jeremy today oh. and uh, this is my oldest son Pastor Jeremy and he's going to be sharing some thoughts with you today as we have a conversation and I trust you will enjoy it. Uh, let me say quickly that if you've missed any of these programs you can go back to our YouTube channel and watch them on demand or you can go to the uh, website in the upper right hand corner there's a link directly to our uh, YouTube channel to the podcast to RSS feed for the audio so that you can get it in any format that you are able to listen to it in. Uh, the key thought for me in uh, sharing this book was it opens with the key to the book by saying now after the death of Joshua and so, you know, uh, what we have shared with you is that this is a book that is really kind of uh, talking about a transition from Moses to Joshua. We see in the book of Joshua, now Moses, my servant, is dead. Moses brought you out. Joshua is going to bring you in. The Hebrew name for Joshua is the Hebrew name Yeshua, which we translate Jesus. So then we see in chapter, when you open the book of Judges, the book of Joshua is about the death of Moses. And the book of Judges is about the death of Yeshua, the death of Joshua, or the death of Jesus. And we started showing you how each one of these judges was a picture of what happened in the redemptive work through Jesus Christ. So uh, I'm glad to have you on the program, Jeremy. And if you want to jump in there and just kind of uh, unpack a few things that you've had on it, and just feel free to let the conversation go where it wants to. It's always good to be on with you. Uh, yeah, I you know, I came to study the book of Judges. It's been, it's been a couple years now, like you said, but uh, it came about because I had taught the book of Joshua. And the natural progression of that was to go into the book of Judges. And you look at the, par you know, and, and as I had taught the book of, of Joshua, I saw a lot of parallels to Jesus and to the New Covenant. And then when you made that transition into Judges, you began to see uh, a lot of the parallels from you know, the book of Acts and, and moving forward into the, you know, the New Testament scriptures, uh, that there were 12 judges, 12 apostles, and you began to see this progression of the scriptures. And so I saw a lot of parallels um, in these judges, um, like you would see in the, in the New Testament, you know, and especially the book of Acts and onward, um, you know, and many of the acts that the apostles were doing in that transitional period of time. You know, the, one of the things that Joshua ends with is that Joshua takes the people up and he says, you know, uh, he says, seeing that the land is subdued before you, but he shows them that there's still a lot of, of, 
uh, inheritance there. A lot there. of territory. A lot of territory that had not yet been possessed, yeah. you know, or they had not yet conquered or gone into. And so he would even instruct them before, you know, he would transition out of that book. He would say, you know, go and, and look through the land. He said, I want you to walk through the land. And I want you to describe it. I want you to write it down. I want you to say what it looks like. And I want you to bring it back. And he said, you know, we'll give lots and that will be the, your, your possessions. And so, you know, the book of Joshua ends with a lot of that, those possessions of that time, that promised land was still not yet, uh, began to be inhabited by the people of Israel. And so, you know, the book of Judges starts with, them beginning to having to be reigned by judges and some of the things that were still having to be conquered or dispossessed and things like that. And so I saw a lot of the, like I said, I, there was a lot of parallels there to me that I began to see, you know, living for us living in a new covenant, Christ having fulfilled and uh, given us our possessions and our promises, the promises of God being yes and amen in Christ. And even the apostles making, you know, doing all the things that they did in that transitional time, there are still a lot of things for us that are still to be possessed, you know, and I think, um, you know, as we've talked before, there are sometimes in our minds, we've been taught that there's still, that's for another day, when it is really for today, how long will we not possess our possessions? How long will we not, you know, in other words, let me say, you know, our promised land, you know, we've talked about before, it's, it's not a piece of real estate necessarily, but there are the promises of God that are for us here and now, you know, healing, being the children's bread, just being one simple, uh, you know, uh, uh, demonstration or, or, or example of what's what's available to us. But there are still many of us that are struggling with health or struggling with things. So, you know, for me, I look and go, well, how long will we not possess our possessions, you know, and, and thinking about the apostles and all the things that they began to do from the book of Acts onward to bring us into that transition of being able to have what we can have and that it's now available to us. How long now are we not, are we still waiting for one of these days I can go and live in houses I did not build and vineyard, eat from vineyards I did not plant instead of going, well, if this is available to me now, why don't I just begin to walk in it? Yeah. You know, and so looking at the book of Judges became an inspiration to me for that, to begin to see that these guys began to do something that was a demonstration of something that we are available to have now. Yeah. You know, I was thinking while you're saying that, that one of the things that I was saying early in the series was that uh, when in the first couple chapters, it says now, you know, but uh, Naphtali failed to conquer this. And uh, the children of 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 of, uh, of Reuben did not conquer this. And, mm-hmm. you know, and one of the thoughts that hit me was, what are you willing to live with? Yeah. In other words, they were willing to live because they paid tribute to them, said it's because they received tribute from them. But then God said to them, you know, what you don't drive out is going to be a thorn in your side, and you're, they're going to be things that reprove you. So sometimes I think there are things in our lives that we are willing to live with, yeah. because there's some maybe some side benefit. I, I was sharing back some time ago how even I had a woman in meeting in in uh, Louisiana years ago, and there was people getting healed and delivered one night, several nights. And the next night I come into the building, this woman says to me, uh, Brother House, she said, if the Lord uh, shows you anything about me tonight, don't give it to me. She said, because I just got my disability check. 
and I don't want to get healed. And I, I almost, I thought at first she was joking, but she was serious. In other mm-hmm. words, I already got my disability, so don't, I don't want to get healed. I went through a lot to get this. So you're willing to live with that. Yeah. And those are things like in, in physical things. But I think there are things in our lives, even as it relates to, uh, you know, stuff that's from the old land, our, uh, the residue of, of things we've let we're willing to live with, yeah. and, and, but they become the thorns in our side because that's what provokes us to say, it's time to get rid of some of this stuff, you know. Yeah. Well, I think it was even the children of Benjamin, if I remember correctly. The children of Benjamin, they had possessed the mountains, but they could not conquer the valley, mm-hmm. you know. And I began to look, I was just thinking of the parallel of even just that, is that, you know, we're, you know, even in Christianity, I, you know, because I've grown up in church my whole life, I've seen people, they've got the victory as long as they're on the mountain. Yeah. But anytime some kind of hardship comes or anytime there's something, they don't have the victory in the valley. They, they fall to pieces and, you know, they, you know, they, you know, they kind of lose their faith and everything. And, and, you know, I was looking at that thing and, you know, well, there's a lot of us that we got the victory on the mountain or we live in the mountain. But the moment there's something that kind of forces us to kind of, you know, face some things or, or fight, we don't, we don't know how to win the victory in the valley. Yeah. You know, and I think one of the things the Lord really wants to show us in this time, or even looking at this book of Joshua, is that, you know, we're not just to have the victory when we're on the mountain, but there's even the times, because we, here's the thing. I think sometimes we believe we'll never go through hardships mm-hmm. as believers. But there are valleys, Absolutely. times that we go through. There are times where, you know, even for me, that there's been faith that's been shaken at times, or just discouragement, or, you know, even depression at times, and having to li- go through that and say, you know what? But I had the victory on the mountain, but God has also given me the victory in the valley and learning how to have those victories and dispossess the things that would rob me of that peace. Even in the midst, you know, where uh, the Lord's prayer is that, you know, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So there are times that we walk through the valley, but there's still a victory to be had in that valley. But there's some things that have to be dispossessed when we go in there. But if if we're not willing to fight for it, if we're not willing to you know, uh, have the same faith on the mountain as we are in the valley, then those things get shaken. And we, like you said, we end up living with some things, yep. you know, and we go through it and go, well, you know, hopefully God can get me out of this or hope for, you know, and, and it's like this constant, like just wishing or hoping that God's going to give us the victory in, in, in the valley rather than like going, Hey, you know what? God has given me, this is mine. You know, when, when, uh, Joshua and them went to go into the land, the whole promise, even from the wilderness on, was that there is a land that's flowing with milk and honey, but there are giants in the land. There are inhabitants in the land, but I, you, when you go in, I will dispossess them. I will drive them yeah. out from before you, and you will live in houses you did not build, eat from vineyards you did not plant. And they, you know, when they went to go in the first time, when, when Moses sent the spies in, what kept them from going in was their disbelief that God would give them the victory over these giants and over these inhabitants. They fully saw that it was a land flowing with milk and honey. God had told them there was giants in the land and there are inhabitants there, but they're only there to keep it until you arrive. But their mindset was when I get there, you know, we saw them. We saw the giants. We saw the inhabitants. We can't, you know, there's no way we're going to get the victory. And they, they died. They lived 40 years dying in a wilderness because they did not believe they could get the victory. When Joshua came on the scene, he only sends two spies in, I believe it was, yep. and, and he doesn't even wait for the report. He sends them in to spy out the land, and he tells the people right away, he says, now prepare your victuals for in three days we're going over this Jordan. I don't care what the report is. I already know I've been there. I know what's there, and I know what God has promised us. 
And so he began to take the people in, and the first place they come against is Jericho, which was a walled city. You know, and they get the victory there. That was effortless. All they did was have to walk around the, vic- around the building and give a shout, and God gave them the victory. You know, and so all these things that they are facing, you know, that they did not possess was because of their disbelief in some things or not really believing that what God said was true. You know, like I said, when God told them, there is inhabitants in this land, there's giants in this land, but I'm going to drive them out from before you. What kept them from having victory over these things was they did not believe God was going to give them the victory and drive out the inhabitants from before them. Yeah, I was thinking while you were saying that, that, you know, the first, uh, I'm going to stay on that just a little bit because I think that's important for people. Because I think right now there's a lot of people going through crises of faith. The first uh, day of January this year, I preached a message at our church called The Sickness of Elisha, where Elisha was sick of the sickness whereof he died. And actually the word there, sickness whereof he died, it could have to do with like, you know, mental challenges, uh, depression, uh, being worn out. And and I, I talked about, you know, having walked through some issues myself. I mean, like, uh, mm-hmm. especially from COVID on. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes being transparent has helped so many people. I, it's amazing to me the reports I've gotten since I really got vulnerable with that mm-hmm. and said, you know, I went through some things because we had managed so many crises through that and so many people that we love and know. When you know as many people as we know, there's always somebody either dying or in crises. And I started to have what I didn't even know was a panic attack. I didn't even know. I thought I was having a heart attack. Come no. to find out I was healthy. But the, this fear hit me. And so finally, uh, when I addressed what the giant was, I told your mom, I walked out in the kitchen, what I said, this is nothing but a spirit of fear, yep. and i got to get a hold of it. And so I just, instead of letting my mind go to the deep end of the pool, when I'd have a pain or an ache, I'd say, hey, you know, I'm standing, I, you know, Paul calls it fighting the fight of faith. Yep. And so you got to fight faith. Sometimes faith is a fight, you know, because in other words, people will, people will go through crises of faith where God didn't do, seem like he didn't do what he said he would do, but you know you have in Hebrews eleven by faith and through faith. Some some people received deliverance. No, some people did not. In, in that sense, or at least the way we would think about it, but it is your faith that has to keep you when you're walking through that valley. Is like you just said a few moments ago. He prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies when you're walking through the valley. Yep. So there's always something to feed on. It depends on what you decide you're going to feed on in that moment. And those, those are easier preached than they are walked through. Mm-hmm. I mean, even in, for me, I'm just being yeah. vulnerable. I mean, there's easier preached than, you know, it's, it's a lot of stuff preaches good, but when you're walking through it yourself, it's like, okay, you know, there, there, there are answers here, but I need to just come back and know, walk in what I know to be true yeah. and stand in faith and believe God for what He said and remind Him even sometimes of prophetic words that were over our lives and say, God, you said this, so hey, you know, I'm standing on that promise. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's probably a lot of people who walk through those moments when they're facing giants or they're facing a crisis. And, you know, and so, you know, I think that's pe- people need to know that there are times when there's cri- if, if it happened yeah. to Elisha, it could happen to anybody, you know. And so, well, you know, even looking again, you know, with Benjamin, you know, like I said, it's easy to be victorious up on the mountain. Yeah. But going through the valley is not always the easiest thing. And sometimes it can be a shake to your faith. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, uh, I went through, uh, I definitely went through a lot of depression after COVID, you know, with our, uh, because our church was not able to open back up after that. 
and you know, having being a pastor and and having started that church, there was a lot of identity wrapped up in yeah. that, you know. And then when that was not able, we were not able to open up. We were not able to get back to that, and having to transition into something else. Like there was a lot of, well, what's my identity now? What's my you know, what's my purpose? What am I even, you know, and even almost to a point where I was like, you know, I just, maybe I just not meant to do this. And, you know, almost wanting to quit and just say, you know, that's all right. I, I you know, I did, maybe I, that was my assignment. I did my assignment and that was it, you know, but there was a lot of depression come, come from that. Because for me, you know, that was like, it was almost like losing, you know, and I, I don't mean to downplay any mother's ever had uh, or anybody that's ever lost a child or, you know, had a miscarriage or anything like that. But for me, that was like losing a baby. Yep. And there was a lot of depression and sadness that went through that. And I didn't know almost how to transition out of it, you know. And uh, But I had, you know, having grown up in church my whole life and understanding how important it is, not just for me, but for my family. You know, there was at one point I just told my wife, you know, I said, we're going to go, you know, I said, we're going to go back to church. And we've gone back to my Aunt Lisa's church. And I said, we're just going to, I said, I'm just going to go to church. We're just going to go to church and we'll get my kids in Sunday school and we're just going to be faithful there and whatever God wants to do out of that, he'll do, you know. And so we began to do that, you know, and of course God began to open up different avenues of ministry and stuff. But it had to, we had to walk through the valley and and, and decide like we're going to fight instead of just giving up on it and deciding there's some things we're going to, like I said, having, getting up. For our church, you know, and it's not, I, I love church. I've never had a problem going to church, but in that particular season, it was almost hard for me to want to get up and go to church to somebody else, you know, because like I said, for me, I was mourning and other people were celebrating. And it was hard for me to celebrate with other people while I was still mourning. But there had to come a point where I began to wash my face, say, we're going to get up, we're going to do this, we're going to ask for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And we did, you know, and really what happened was is going back and beginning to be faithful to that mm-hmm. and just saying, you know what, my faithfulness is not to the church I pastored, but my faithfulness is to the Lord. And when I began to put my faithfulness in the Lord, that that depression and that mourning began to be driven out, you know, and, and, and the Lord began to bring some healing into some stuff. And I began to see, okay, there's some there's some different things that maybe is in my my assignment that I didn't know about yet. And that, that, you know, not to take anything away from what that church that I pastored was, but that was, I did my assignment there, and then the Lord has moved me on, and there's some other things that are still for me to possess. I got to live in that inheritance, but there's still some more inheritance for me to have yeah, yeah. in that ministry and in this this life, but it took, it really took, me going, okay, I'm not, you know, I'm not going, not on the mountain right now. Yep. I'm going through the valley, but I'm going to still dispossess some enemies that are fighting me. Because, like I said, that depression and 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 anxiety, uh, anxiety, and, and, and even mourning. Yeah, you know, just mourning something. Because I mean, we all go through loss. Yeah, and sometimes it's hard to get out of that that time of mourning and say, "There's still, I still got to live." Yeah, you know, after you've had a loss, after you know, rather it's it's physical, like. Uh, legitimate, like somebody has passed away that's yeah. that's that's close to you or whatever, or the, like I said, the loss of something that you loved. Yeah, you know, it's hard to see that there's a life beyond that morning, you know, and and beyond that that thing you loved. And it took a little bit for me to get up from that and say, okay, I'm still going to fight. I still got to live, and I'm going to choose to live today. You know, and and dispossessing those things is what I had to go through that valley. I couldn't just stay on that mountain when I was. 
when I had the church, when everything was great, I thought, man, I don't understand people that, that are sad. I don't understand people that are going through some stuff. And then when I went through it, I was like, oh, I understand now. Yeah. I understand what they're going through. I understand yeah. what that's like and that you still got to get up and begin to live and dispossess some things, you yeah. know. That's when faith becomes a fight. Yeah. You know, I was saying, I think this is a really good program because there's a lot of people right now struggling with that. When I shared the, the other Sunday on that and was vulnerable with some of the stuff I was walking through and even crises of faith where I'd seen things that, I, you know, I was questioning God mm-hmm. and everything else. And But I, you know, I, come to find out, I have had even several pastors that watched the Facebook Live from that event saying, thank you for being so vulnerable. But even w- during the period of time when I was going through some of that, uh, I was at a, a church, a mega church. I won't say where it's at to protect the pastor there, but uh, when the, he got, I got in the car, he said, well, how you doing? I said, you want the pat answer? You want me to tell you the truth? And he said, I want you to tell me the truth. And I started sharing with him. He said, man, thank you. You know, because now I could pull the guard down and tell you I'm going through the same thing. And so it was like, it's kind of like, I'm not, not like we need to lick each other's wounds, yeah. but we need to be there for each other. You know, one of the main things that I see that happens a lot of times is though at the moment when you think it's all over and you, you're you going to quit is when there's almost always a breakthrough. It's like if you just push one more time. And I, I'm reminded back when, you know, several years ago uh, when I was thinking maybe I'm a dinosaur. I've been in ministry 44 years. This is the beginning of 45 years of ministry for uh, your mother and I and, and full-time ministry. And I thought, well, maybe I'm a dinosaur. Maybe I'm. Maybe it's time for me to quit. You know, a lot of stuff going on. And I thought, maybe it's time to retire. I'm, am I being effective? Of course, the enemy makes you think, you know, measure your successes by different kinds of metrics. But, And truly, I'd been successful anyway. But I, when I went to, the Lord spoke to me to go to this conference. And I hadn't been to a conference in years where I wasn't a speaker. Not that I wouldn't go, just didn't have time. And uh, when I walked in the door of this meeting, all these well-known guys wanted to get their picture taken with me. And they were like, like, you know, I, here I, well, I'm thinking I'm not effective. And, and I was hugely effective. And I had never put myself in an environment to meet some of these guys. And so at that moment then, the moment I'm thinking about quitting, it's just like all of a sudden it just exploded into mm-hmm. a much larger influence. And so, you know, I think sometimes it's just hold on. Hold on, let me look at this camera a minute, because I feel like there's probably some pastors, not just pastors, but people who feel like they're about ready to throw in the towel and quit. Let me tell you, push one more time. Just go ahead and, and, and you know, go back. And, you know, even with the sickness of Elisha, the king came to see Elisha. And, and he was a wicked king, but at least he had enough respect to come back and talk to the guy who was passing away who'd been the one who spoke to Israel. And he says to him, if you don't understand what's going on in this context, you'll miss the point. Yep. But Elisha's sick of the sickness where if he would die. And the, and the king comes to him and says to him, my father, my father, the horseman in the chariot of Israel. And if you don't know the context of that, you don't know what was happening. But what that was, was that was the statement that Elisha made when, when he took the mantle of Elijah, is that was exactly what he said, is my father, my father, the horseman in the chariot of Israel. So the king is trying to get him remember some past victories. So I want but to say know, that even, to somebody. Go ahead. Even when, uh, <clears throat> I believe it was Paul, is writing in one of the, his epistles. He said, I'm sitting here in chains. He said, but I thank you for sending so-and-so. They were a great ministry yeah. to me at this time. Yeah. Because I think even at those times, those apostles... You know, we read their things and we go, well, they're, 
look at all the faith they had. Look yeah. at all the, but I believe they even went through some stuff. Yeah. I think when the writer of Hebrews writes and he says, you know, here, here's the great men of faith. Hebrews 12. Yeah. And he says, but these all died in faith, not receiving the promise, because yeah. they then without us cannot receive it. He's writing, I think whoever was writing that was also reminding all those that, you know what, we've seen, you know, because there was, the apostles were being put to death. They were being martyred, and there was a lot of persecution. There was a lot of death and things that were happening. And I think he's putting them into remembrance of saying, you know what, these great men that we read about, that were great men of faith, they died in faith too. He said, and we're facing a lot of things. But you can't go back. You can't go back. You can't stay in this place and just decide I'm going to lay down and die. There's still, like you said, the fight of faith that we get up. And sometimes it even takes some people in our lives coming to us and saying, you know what, I'm going to minister to you now. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to get behind you. You know, sometimes, you know, uh, I always say, you know, the, the ministers we look at and they stand on the pulpits and they preach. And we think, well, they've got it all together. Uh, they go through stuff, too, sometimes. And sometimes they need, they need people to yep. encourage them and sometimes to say, you know what? You have stood in faith with us. You have prayed with us when we need it. But I want to stand in faith with you, and I want to pray with you, and I want to help you through some times of struggle and through some times where you might be having some hardships or some doubts or some, some crises of faith because even as ministers, those things happen. We go through some stuff. Like I said, the apostles faced death. They faced uh, the, the, the persecutions of things that were happening during that time, you know, and so there are times where we're setting in, you know, we might be preaching the gospel, setting in chains and saying, you know what, but I'm thankful for so-and-so who was a great help to me at that time, yeah. who encouraged me and, and helped me through this stuff, yeah. you know, and so we need those things as well. You know, I was thinking that the same thing is that we need somebody to lift our hands up, you know, at times. And people don't really realize that there's a human side to ministry, especially when the care of the churches is on you, mm -hmm. you know, and some of that kind of stuff. And, and not only that, but even like just people who are not in ministry, it's just that even sometimes, like I said the other Sunday, some of the most disarming things is that, you know, knowing what to say to people who are in crises. But sometimes it's not necessary that you have to have an answer for them. It's the fact that you care, that you've just took enough time to send them a note. Or I, And I've tried to become more sensitive to that whenever I'm aware of things that are going on and say, hey, just send them a note. I get somebody on my mind for a couple of days. I try to send them a note and say, hey, just be encouraged. Well, we've got another minute or so left, so I'm going to let you take a little bit more there, just a few minutes if you will have more, a few more remarks before I close it. But Like I said, you know, in, in, in this conversation of whatever is that, you know, we that there is a valley, and it's easy to live on that mountain, but there's still a valley. We have to still possess those things too, and in order to possess that, we sometimes have to walk through the valley. Yeah. You know, and uh, like I said, like we've said before, you know, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, or we walk through some things that have shaken us or have made it, you know, where we've had to gird ourselves up and say, okay, I gotta walk through this. Yeah. We gird ourselves up, we walk through it, and know that the inhabitants are still being driven out before yeah. us. I think the key word is through, yep. through the valley. Well, we're out of time, and I hope this has helped you make it through. Uh, if you'd like to sow a seed into this ministry, the easiest way to do it is to go to the website, and there's a place where you can give through a PayPal portal. You use a credit card or debit card, 
And you can even set up a monthly debit if you'd like to become a monthly partner. You can send a check or money order to the address that'll come on the screen, or you can call the telephone number that's there. If you don't receive an answer, leave a message for someone to return your call. But we do need your help, and thank you for your faithful support. God bless you till next week. I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am. In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. When he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. They thought that Israel was the true vine, but Jesus said to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. As you read the pages of this book, you will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today.